I'm Catherine Mazone here on behalf of Mojo Streaming, and I'm very pleased to welcome Tunedu Mogbo. He is the founder of Green Fingers, and he's joining us right now from Africa. Where are you exactly, Tunedu? Nigeria, Lagos, Nigeria, West Africa, yes. And I hear some some voices around you. Uh, is there some excitement going on? Uh, not really. I actually, um, I actually also work in a school. Um, so I, you hear kids, a lot of kids around moving around. So that's that's basically what's happening. And they've gone off the close for the day. So I think it's the commuting back and forth with them and the noise. That's basically what's happening. Yeah, I I kind of cheated, and I already knew you worked with children quite extensively. And so I, that was my opportunity. That was my sly little transition, right? It was good. So, I mean, you, again, you work with children both through the conservation efforts that you do, as well as the education system. Tell me why kids? Um, okay, first, I think I've always had that um, desire. I mean, even growing up, well, even when I was a student, I would want to even teach my fellow, I would want to be like with my fellow classmates and like teach them about stuff that I know, things that I've learned. And um, I, I mean, that, that really grew with me sort of. Um, then when I had to, when I now have to look at the conservation aspect of it and seeing how I didn't even get that as a, as a child growing up. I, I wish I did. I wish I had such an opportunity to um, connect with people, uh, teachers who were able to, who knew a lot about wildlife, who were willing to um, allow me to explore my own natural intelligence, basically. Um, I mean, it's, it's, and I see a lot of kids now these days who also are in that same kind of like situation. And I mean, why not? Why not make? Why not open up that um, door and have these kids experience those things that um, they that would basically create future conservationists to, to actually make a difference in the lives of these children, which in turn will make a difference in our own lives, basically, or in the lives of um, wildlife, basically, in general, um, for the country or for our country in the future. So. It's, it's been all about teaching and, and imparting the next generation and ensuring that the next generation carry on the right values, the right attitude. Um, basically, that's, that's, that's why I really, that's why I've been here. And obviously, it's important to you and it's important to conservationists, but, you know, it's not something that everybody thinks about as cognizantly. So... Is it, is, is conservationism and activism, is that sort of thing important in your community? And if not, how do you impart that upon those who live and work around you? Okay, um, it is, um, I'd say conservation isn't um, one of the major things or one of the most important things within our community, especially even in a country like Nigeria. Um, conservation is, is actually one of the most difficult experiences I've basically ever had to face because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm battling against odds of um, people not, not caring. They don't even, they don't, they don't want, they don't, they don't, even, they don't care basically about anything when it has to do with wildlife or 
uh, or but we, we now have a population now, a growing population that are seeing the things that are important and know these things that are important and are willing to ensure that um, are willing to ensure that everybody that something is done about it. And that's why um, there's this kind of like a shift now. Uh, but they're not it's not that many but we we are seeing the shift and with a lot of influence from the international community now nigeria now is no longer being that kind of isolated country where basically we don't feel anything basically is happening now there's a lot of influence from the united nations um from the whole glass the whole climate change conferences that are happening now there's a lot of light now being shed on these important things. You hear about trafficking, wildlife trafficking. Um, Nigeria is trying is, is trying to do something now about it. So we cannot ignore the fact anymore, but it still hasn't gotten down really to the grassroots level. And that's why we basically do what we do. And that's why we are really advocating and pushing to ensure that um, as much as we can, let's see how we can make that, um, or if I say not make, um, lead to that um, change or that um, lead the the efforts in trying to conserve as much as we can and teach others who will come after to also have a, a very strong foothold in conservation here in Nigeria too. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that that disconnect between the environment and conservationism and the people has to do with socioeconomic issues? You know, because you hear about poaching being an issue among those who are impoverished. Africa is obviously home to some of the most incredible wildlife in the world, yet there's that disconnect. So where do you think that comes from? So there's, there's, um, what I've seen so far, there's quite, there's quite a lot I can actually place on this. The socioeconomic um, issues are there, no doubt about that. But it's not, it's, it's not enough. I wouldn't say someone is poaching, for example, just to feed his family. He's poaching and, for example, if I'm going to poach to feed my family, I'll go, maybe I'll kill a deer or I'll kill uh, maybe an antelope so that my family can have something to eat, maybe for a week. But when we are talking about a, a case where you are going to clear a whole forest, um, for example, because you want to export the logs so that you can have a lot of money at the, just at once, you understand? Um, it, it's, it's now way past the idea of socioeconomics, basically. Um, and I mean, if we had that culture or system where... So there's a lot of greed here, I see. There's a lot of corruption, basically, at work. There is a lot of um, ignorance. Um, the old, the culture, tradition that basically, that of, of things, well, I say like due to lack of education. So people feel that oh, a certain animal will bring you some special luck or certain powers or certain form of, um, so you go killing all the vultures basically in the area just because you want to um, want to be rich or you want to be, and see everything always points, not just to food, everything points to some selfish gain, one, one, one thing or the other. I'm going to kill all the gorillas because the heads of the gorillas will bring me money. The, the heads of the chimpanzees is going to fetch me a lot of money. Um, so it's, it's then you even go, when you even get to the markets where these animals are even being sold, it's not for the poor. The poor people can't even afford it because it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap, you know, it's not being killed for them. It's killed, then you have those people on the higher end, the, the affluent people 
support, um, supporting buying these things because they can afford it. So you see that now it's all a game of get rich quick, greed, and I, I always still stand on the greed. And where corruption comes in is where the government basically turns a blind eye purposely to some of these things because there is a cut in it for them. Um, um, you, you have pangolin scales going through um, the Nigerian um, going through the Nigerian um, seaport, and um, you now have okay, it's been it's been found, it's been seized, but nobody wants to, but nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to um, burn it or destroy the, the commodity. So they they do what they sell it back to those people, getting a lot of money. I mean, what are we talking about here? These things just keep going on and on and on, and we're trying our best to see how we can raise as much as awareness as we can to help um, reduce this this thing. But we are faced with a lot here in Nigeria. So, Tenedu, how did you get into all of this? I mean, were you always a, an animal lover and and passionate about the environment, and it just happened? But because obviously you don't just you're not born knowing all of this information about how things work in your country. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, growing up, yes, I was definitely, I've always been an animal lover. I mean, even when I didn't see the animals and, and um, luckily it was a time where there were all the gadgets were not, were not available at that time. I'm sure I would have distracted, taken that distractions away. So I had to spend time a lot outside outdoors, um, it could be just looking out for the ants walking around, you know, putting them in jars. So I, I've had that, I had that experience and just being, so I, I, I lived, I had to, I always told my parents I would always want to live around birds. Uh, so I had a lot of birds always around. I mean, I'm not talking about birds, I'm talking about like, like the, the, the chickens, the pigeons, the turkeys, you know, the domestic ones, basically. I had them growing up, um, growing up. To the point I even had to name every one of them. I had each of them had its own name. So, um, so by the time by the time I got to university, and then after my university, I mean, I when I had to come back to to, to into the working space, I mean, I, I I still saw that that vacuum was basically still there. The interest was there. The passion never died. I mean, I still kept it alive. I would want to watch things. I would watch things basically not anything Nigerian. But I would always see the, the state at which the animals in Nigeria were basically being treated. Um, there were these markets where I would, so instead of zoos, basically in Nigeria, we had more of this wet market or traditional market where animals are put in cages. And, and I've seen zoos, I have had the opportunity to see zoos in another, other countries. And I've seen how the animals basically have been treated. I mean, there, there's a, there was a very big difference or a very big, uh, uh, gap. So I'm um, looking at it. I said I have to do something. Has to be done. So when I started, I started first with. I said, okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna work with a sanctuary. Let me, let me open up a sanctuary and see how we can start um, getting some of these animals in this kind of conditions and giving them something better, um, a better place to live, better food, better, better quality of life. If I must say. And we did that. I mean, it's, it started in 20, 2012. Um, so we are basically 10 years running right now. So, um, and over time we've grown, we've, we've, and we learn, we get to see 
Um, I get to see, I get to read a lot about anything wildlife. I'm reading about, especially that concerns Nigeria. I'm reading about it. We are seeing the flaws. We are seeing where the politicians are playing games with um, wildlife, and we basically, we basically see all this in. And this has basically been an accumulation of um, experiences, um, interactions, uh, meeting with people who within the same space also. And definitely, I hope um, we hope to continue growing and learning more about it. Um, so I actually wanted to study veterinary medicine. Um, but um, the thing about Africa, our African parents were like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. You're not going to get a job in this country with, uh, with that. So why don't you go for the human medicine, you know? Uh, so I, I followed, I have to be an obedient child. I followed their, my parents' wishes. I That's a lot of parents, by the way. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's good. <laughs> I, followed, I, followed the, the, I followed the path. And um, so I still stayed there. And, but it, it, it didn't take that away. It didn't take the need and the desire. And I'm definitely even looking forward to still going back to actually study a bit about veterinary medicine because... I think it's really definitely important because as much help as I can give to wildlife, not just in the rescue and trying to cater to them, I definitely want to do much more um, in providing um, that much care and um, um, attention to these um, to these um, species. So, yeah. It sounds like um, you know seeing these things and and watching what's going on in places like these wet markets, that's kind of the catalyst. And I would surmise that your decision to work with kids is kind of a, a way to start from the ground up, you know, start with the next generation and changing their mindsets. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so with the, with the first, so first I was working in, I was working in the school and, um, before I even ventured, a few months, I started working in the school, a few months before I actually ventured into the whole wildlife uh, sanctuary um, space. Then, um, but what I actually noticed was that, I remembered, I remember how curious and um, enthusiastic I was about every, every, every for nature. Um, and it was actually during the course of my age, learning and growing in the educational sphere, that I came across the different spheres of intelligence for kids. So you could see those who were speech, children who are just naturally good at vocabulary. Though some of them are good at um, kinesthetics with, with body movements. Some of them are very good with numerous numbers. And then there was the group, which I think I happened to fall into, that are basically nature inclined. So you see these kids just wanting to be outdoors, um, connect, they love animals, where nobody basically, they want to watch what's, and I see a lot of kids right now that are in that space. And there is, and I, as I tell you, there is nowhere right now they can actually, that's, so for that thing, it needs to grow. That is, a, I, I call that natural intelligence, something that it basically needs to grow and flourish. So I felt I had to create that. I looked at myself, if every kid who had this natural intelligence or nature, nature intelligence, um, ability was allowed to flourish and express that thing. In the next five, 10 years, you would be having kids that people within the country that would, that would want to do everything 
for wildlife. I mean, they would want to protect you. They would want to like you think about. I look about. I think about lawyers. I look about doctors. You have doctors who are innovative. You want to go. You have lawyers who are breaking grounds in every sphere and every area, becoming activists even in those areas. And I mean, why won't we have people within the country also who will be advocates for wildlife? Um, look at all the people who are doing great things. Look at Jane Goodall. I mean, look at um, David Attenborough. These are people who just grew and blossomed in there. And there are many others like that that grew and blossomed in, 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 the, in those areas. But in Nigeria, it's quite difficult because there is no avenue for that. So we are being stifled with um, social media. The social media space is stifling the creativity of these, of these kids. They are basically no more outdoors anymore where people can actually go and actually get connect with nature. In, I've, lived in, I've stayed in the UK for a few years. I've seen what it's like. I mean, you go to the park, there are deers all over. You see the squirrels, you see the birds in the, the, the lakes, you see the birds. Everything speaks to a whole individual. But we lack in Nigeria here, it's not there. And I can be very, it's actually not there. So we decided to create that. We decided to bring that kind of setting where these kids and I and I had to connect it with with the with the kids and now we had to groom them, teach them what is it like to have these things around, to be around these things. What does it mean to um, interact with these species and feel? I mean, feel and see, see what the animals see. and we are seeing a shift. A shift now. I see kids, adults, even adults now, are saying, "Oh." Um, I remember this. I remember when I was growing up, I, 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 I used to, I wish I had this, things like that. So that these, um, so seeing those things, I know that definitely the future is going to be better. And that's the idea, leaving the, fu leaving the future better than we basically met our present, basically. So we know the future will be better. So we plan on making it actually um, much better. So that's why we have to keep on doing basically what we do. Um, and that's how we, the kids basically come into, come into the place. Is there anything specific that you're working on right now that um, you want to talk about? Okay, so we do, yes. So right now we, apart from the sanctuary that we run, we are doing um, quite a lot of uh, activities now to promote. So we, we decided to take it a step further. So what we've started doing right now in, um, in is, is that we, we, we tried now looking at how we can incorporate certain things that are common to Nigerians and bringing wildlife into it. So for example, one of the most common things in Nigeria that you see everybody can gather together to discuss about is sports. So we, we decided to see how we can tie in sports and wild, the love for wildlife together. So now we are bringing people who may not necessarily love, may not necessarily be wildlife enthusiasts, but because they love sports, they come into contact with wildlife and information on wildlife. So we have been able to merge these things together to create um, programs such as, we, so I call it, we have the, um, um, we call it hoops for wildlife. So this is where girls girls get to play basketball um, to raise awareness about wildlife species that are declining in Nigeria. 
that we have um, Play for Pangolin, which is a soccer competition that um, we get kids to come from different areas and different schools to play um, football, to raise awareness for pangolins also um, here in Nigeria. So these are the kind of, and we are seeing a lot of kids now becoming very enthusiastic about uh, it, or you, you ask them, oh, what are you playing and why are you doing this? Oh, so it's, it's about, it's to raise awareness for the pangolin. And this is an animal that was almost obscure. I mean, a lot of people didn't know about these animals that exist, um, exist um, they, they existed. But because of these kind of activities, we are seeing a keen interest now in young people wanting to do certain things. And we know that as we sow these seeds um, presently, we know that it, it was definitely going to um, make a great change for the future. So that's, that's, that's really what we do. Looking over some of the work that you've already done, um, what would you say some of your greatest successes have been within the organization? Okay, um, so we've been able to, apart from, okay, so within the wildlife space, we've also been able to um, coach and work with kids, young people on um, environmental factors. So I'm looking at the environment and how the environment also affects wildlife. So we had a campaign recently where um, we were highlighting issues, the plastic pollution affecting sea creatures, turtles. And we get to see a lot of turtles in Nigeria. And the thing about turtles is that they, they, once the turtles beach on the Nigerian shores, they are basically captured and killed for food. Um, so we, we did some form of um, kind of like a, a, an awareness. So, where, so what we did is that the kids went out um, to the beach to clean up the beach, taking out all the plastic from there, we use the plastic to create some kind of um, fashionable outfits, clothing. Um, we took the clothing to like, a, so it's called trashing. We took the clothing to like a shopping mall. Um, so the kids were like having like a run, they had a runway there. They did a kind of like a trashing show. And um, so we, it was picked up by Reuters. Reuters is an international organization, um, uh, media company. And it actually went viral. And the, the students really were very happy to see that their advocacy in raising awareness for against plastic pollution that affects wildlife um, actually went back. And we're very, very, very um, happy with that. So that's one of the things um, when with the kids basically um, involved. Then the other things, especially our work with the pangolins right now, it's been, I mean, it's been really um, groundbreaking for us where we've been able to cater to get res rescue these pangolins from wet markets, groom them all through, um, through life, a bit of short, a short period of their lives, then release them back into the um, into pro some protected spaces where we believe, um, which basically normally is actually not being done. Um, we ha I have a friend who is also doing that here in Nigeria, but basically it's not a common thing which we basically get to see, um, and I'm and I'm really proud of that. But the thing there about it, I'm also very very proud of is that for the past ten years we have basically done this by ourselves. It's basically a self-funded work. Um, we've not really had any form of major uh, NGO or um, government organization coming in to help us in this space. So it's basically, because I work, um, most of the funds basically we, we generate goes to catering for. Um, right now we have about 150 plus animals within our care. And um, it's been 10 years of um, this dedicated work um, this November, we'll be celebrating a, a, that kind of um, that pro a program that highlights basically that 10 years of, of work. And 
we are really looking forward to it and uh, we're hoping for better for the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's really exciting. So what do you have planned for the future then? So um, for for the future, we have, if I, um, so that's the thing we're really looking out for now. We, we want to create, so where we are currently, especially where our sanctuary is located. So we do have kids that come into the sanctuary and basically learn about the animals. Um, adults also do the same thing, come and learn about the animals. But the problem we are facing right now is that our sanctuaries are actually already maxed out. So um, we, we basically reached the full capacity um, that we basically ha- we have. So the future basically for us is to um, now um, own forest spaces. Like we want to get some forests, um, con- some forests that haven't yet been completely destroyed so that we can protect these forests, forests and have some of these animals reintroduced back into those kind of spaces. Now that, that will also create an avenue for um, tourism, education, research, for students that don't have any place to do their research, especially in the university. And um, it will really turn things around for wildlife here in Nigeria. And that's what we are really looking and uh, hoping for um, that we get and basically get to. And um, that's what we are really expecting to do. Let me ask you, what do you believe is the greatest challenge facing wildlife in Nigeria right now? So the, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest threat to wildlife is the, is the government. Sadly, it is the government right now because there is actually no effort from their part, no zero, and I say zero effort from their part in anything. Because for example, there has been, I mean, we, I know we've done quite a lot. We've brought a lot of, well, I say, I would say, I wouldn't want to say bad press, but we've really tried to bring in a lot of light to the issues that are happening here so that the government will be able hear, but nothing has been done about it. Um, during the COVID, um, COVID-19, I mean, the wet markets were thriving. I mean, the wet markets were really thriving during the lockdown, where everybody, when most countries were in lockdown, the wet markets in Nigeria, especially here in Lagos, they were thriving, still selling, the animals that were even believed to cause or originate the COVID um, pandemic, which was basically the pangolins. So we brought that out into, into the media space and a lot of people, we felt the government would move to do something to shut down those markets. Nothing was done. Um, our forests are being dissipated every day. There's been reports back and forth concerning the loss of forests and biodiversity. Um, we brought it to the government, but yeah, the government knows about these things, but because um, somebody is getting a cut or somebody is getting something, nothing is basically being done. We have animals in Nigeria that are only found in Nigeria and no other parts of the world, but there are no programs currently that are running to protect these species. Now, these species are already thinning down to their population are thinning down to almost zero, but still, there is no government intervention. So there is quite a lot the government can do. There are no the laws. I mean, on the streets, the people sell animals. People sell animals as big as turtles, sell animals like lions on the internet. Yeah, there's a lot happening with little, in fact, with no restriction whatsoever. And um, we cannot do with this by ourselves. I mean, it's, it's, it's not something we, as an, as an NGO, a little NGO in our little corner, 
can actually achieve. It needs the big guns from the government to somebody to step up and say, this has to stop. And that's only then we're going to have a, a turnaround when it comes to issues regarding wildlife um, here in Nigeria. What else haven't I asked you that you think is important for me to include? We basically covered, um, except you want to talk about the issues of web, web market, but I've still mentioned issues like the, the, the governments are aware of everything basically that has to do with wildlife here in Nigeria. The problem is just that nothing is basically being done. Mm-hmm. Nigerians are enthusiastic about wildlife. A lot of people are looking for where, oh, I would like to take my child to see about, see this animal. I would like to take my child to see this. But, so a lot of people are interested about, on, uh, about this, but little is actually being done. And I mean, we, if we decide to, if Nigeria decides to wake up, we can pull in much, just like South Africa, just like Kenya. They have these animals within their tourist spaces. Um, but I know within, I know there are other issues Nigeria faces. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are security issues right now that are basically being um, threats, basically security threats everywhere, in, almost everywhere in, in Nigeria, which also needs to be curbed for anything like tourism or anything basically to thrive. But I mean, we cannot just cave in and kill ourselves because uh, of that. Somebody really has to hold the ground or the fort in certain areas. And that's where we work, especially within the wildlife space. And we do, we have to just definitely do what we can. We'll definitely have to check back up with you and see how mm-hmm. how your campaigns are going and, and what it's looking like over there. Because yeah, I, I think, you know, making headway, like you said, is really, it's really paramount. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tenendu, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate that too. Thank you very much.